If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. And today I want to preach on the high cost of following Christ. That's the title of the sermon, and that's uh, we're going to remind ourselves today, and we need this reminder from time to time. I think this is something we easily forget. Uh, I think this is something the disciples forgot. And Jesus repeatedly throughout the Gospels would remind them of the high cost of following Jesus Christ. They would remind them of what he demands. And not just what he demands out of us as followers. And that's we're a bunch of Christians here today. This is what he demands of us. And not just what he demands, but what he deserves. And how we ought to live our lives. So this here in front of us today is the high cost of following Christ. What it means to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we say we're all followers here today of Christ, but are we really? Do we really know what that means? So I want to show you that today, the high cost. And it is a very high cost of following Jesus Christ. And this this passage here today will pack a punch. It really will. It, it did me today, this week, as I was studying it. it. It's almost like the passage jumped out at me, grabbed me by the by the shirt, and said, hey, are you doing this? And that's what I think it'll do for all of us today, uh, that we're going to jump out at us and say, hey, are you following Jesus as he says, or how you want to follow him? So let's stand together. I'm going to read you these verses. I'm only going to read to you four verses today. So we're going to Keep it short, I guess, but here's four verses. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. I'm going to say it here, and I'm going to say it at the end of the sermon too. This is as if Jesus Christ himself is standing up here calling you to this kind of following. So chapter 16, verse 24, and these are the words of Christ. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father and with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according unto his works. So this is the high cost of following Jesus Christ. 
Let's pray together and then we'll look at this today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to, to preach today. For me, this is my favorite time of week. I love this Sunday morning time at 1130 when I can open up the scriptures and preach. And I hope, God, that in the pews, this is their favorite time of the week. When they get to open up your word and hear a sermon. And I pray, God, that it would be a very beneficial time for all of us. That we would see what it really means to follow our Savior and our Lord. There's a whole lot of people who say they follow, but there's not a whole lot of following going on in the world. So help us to see, God, what it really means to follow your Son, Jesus. And help it call us all to a higher commitment and a closer walk with our Savior. Please help me today, help us today, God, to have ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to receive, wills to obey. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. There's a lot of things in life that we can call ourselves or that others can call us, uh, either good or bad. There's things, whether they be our personal things that people call us. I'm called a lot of things. I'm called personally, I, I love being called husband to Stephanie. That's one of my favorite things in the world is for people to say that is uh, Stephanie's husband. I love being called a father. That, that's one of the great privileges of life for, to be called a father. For my kids to call me dad. I always wanted to be called dad. And I have four kids and a, and a fifth one on the way. And I'm pretty sure her first words is going to be dad, dad. She's going to call, <laughs> she's going to call me her dad. I'll sit there and I'll whisper in her ear over and over and over, Dada, 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 Dada. I want it to be Dada. First words out of her mouth. I don't know. I don't remember what the other kids were. Probably Dada, because uh, I'm real I'm pushy on that. But I'm called Dad. I'm called Son. I love it. My dad even calls me Son to this day. I love being called uh, a Son. My mom calls me son. I love that. I love being called a brother. I have, I have two sisters, really three sisters, and they all call me their brother. I have one sister that calls me Bubby. I, I love that. I love being called a brother. Uh, there's other things that we can, you guys all have that too, husband, father, uh, mother, wife. We all have things that people call us. And you, you can even go into your career. I'm, you could be called a teacher. You could be called a coach or a, a nurse or a doctor or a barista at a Starbucks. I don't know what it is you do, but you could be called by your career. You could even be called by something political. Some people love to be called Republican, and some people love to be called Democrat, and some people love to be called neither one at all. Uh, but these are all uh, things that people call us or that we call ourselves, labels that we put on ourselves. But I, I say all that to say this. There's one thing that I love being called more than anything else. More than I love being called father, or more than I love being called husband, or, or son, or, or brother, or, or even a, a preacher. This one thing that I love being called, I think it's the greatest thing anybody could ever call themselves, is a follower of Jesus Christ. The, in, that, in saying that, I'm saying that I'm identifying with, and if you say you're a follower of Christ, that's what you're saying. I identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, and He identifies with me. I'm associated with Him. I'm in fellowship with Him. I'm united to Him in a way that I'm not united to anything or anybody else in the world. Jesus is my cause. More than any other cause in the world. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing anybody could call you or call me. Followers of Jesus Christ. Nothing better, nothing greater above all the others. And you say, are you putting that above everything else? Yes, I am. But I'm also intertwining those things because at the top of my list, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And then, watch this, and then I'm a Christian 
husband and I'm a Christian father and I'm a Christian son and I'm a Christian brother and I'm a, I'm a Christian preacher. Christian goes on every other label that I have. At the top of my list, we are followers of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Now the question is, we all say that. Amen. We're followers of Christ, but there's a lot of people that identify as followers. And I think most of us, if not all of us here, would say that. But across America and in churches today, a lot of those people that call themselves followers of Jesus have no idea what it means. A lot of people, there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of views about what it means to follow Jesus. There's a lot of people say, I follow, but there's not a whole lot of following taking place. We really don't know in America today what it means to follow Jesus Christ. There's not a lot of preachers that are willing to open up this passage of Scripture today and, and give it to the church. You watch a lot of TV preachers. I'm, I've become kind of a TV preacher because you guys go home and watch me on your TVs. But you don't hear a whole lot of TV preachers saying, this is what it means to follow Christ. There's not a lot of people in the pews that knows what it really means to be a follower of Christ. We don't follow Jesus on our own terms. We follow Jesus on His terms. And that's what we have in front of us today as Jesus, the one we're following, says in no uncertain terms, clarifies it for every single one of us, for all who claim to be followers of Jesus, for all who want to be followers of Jesus, He says, here's what it really means. Lays it out in four verses. And you say, why is he telling us this? It's not just that he's just in a conversation. He's like, hey guys, let me tell you what it is. No, I've got to get back into the context and show you why he's saying this. Because he told them last week, if he was with us last week, he told them, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm headed. He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go and suffer at the hands of the scribes and the priests and the Pharisees. And then I'm going to die. You see that? He says, that's my plan. That's where I'm going. Jerusalem, suffer, die. Jerusalem, suffer, die. Peter looked at him and said, no way, man. He said, yes way. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm headed. And then he turns it around this week and he says, and if you want to follow me, you're going to be facing the same things I'm going to be facing. If you want to be right behind me, guys, that's where I'm headed. I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die. And if you want to follow me, you better pick up your cross and go with me. And that's what he's laying out for them here. Here's what you've got to look forward to. And you say, is that just for the disciples? No, this is for all of us. If any man. That's the disciples. That's any man throughout history. That's any man throughout generations. That's any man, woman, or child in this room today. If you want to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what it's going to cost you. It's a reminder. He told them in, in, in Matthew 4, here it is. And from Matthew 4 to Matthew 16, I think they forgot. They thought it was going to be all great and good and wonderful and, and happy times. And from Matthew 4 to 16, they forgot. Matthew 16, he says, listen guys, here's what's, here's what's going to be. And we need that reminder. I preached it in Matthew 4. Maybe all of us, me too, haven't forgotten what it is. So we need to come back to it today and let Jesus define the terms and conditions. Here's what it means. Here's the cost of following. And it is a high cost of following Jesus Christ. I think it will be a reminder for many of us of how we ought to be living our lives as Christians. And I think that it might be a call to some of you who have never followed Jesus before. That Jesus will stand up here and through the power of His Word and the preaching of His Word, He's calling you to line up behind Him and follow Him. 
So let's look at this passage today and look at the high cost of following Jesus Christ. And I've noticed three things that stand out to me in this passage, and I want to give you those three things. And we're going to start with, number one, where he starts with the requirements of following Christ. He gives us the requirements. Here's what he demands. He said it in verse 24, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Who's he saying this to? If you're, if you're looking at this, that's the first question I'm asking is, who's he saying it to? And it says, unto his disciples. So we know right there, right off, that he's talking to the twelve. He's talking to his twelve disciples, those who are the closest to him. Those who are committed to him. And then I'll give you another one. Matthew 8, same passage, different book. He says, the disciples and the crowd that had gathered. So now we have the ones who are committed to him are in that crowd. And then we have a crowd of curious people who have now gathered there as well. So in that crowd of people that he's giving this message to, get this, Matthew 8 says there's a crowd. Matthew or Mark 8, Matthew 16 says his disciples. And then you also have Judas sitting there. I'm telling you this for a reason. Because the crowd that he's giving this message to includes the committed, already committed, the curious, and the counterfeit. That's who he's talking to here. And I think anytime you stand up in the church, you're going to be talking to all three of those crowds. You're going to be talking to those who are already committed, who have maybe forgotten what it means to follow Christ. You're going to be talking to the curious who have just kind of staggered into the church and they don't really know if they're following or whether they're not. And you're going to be talking to the counterfeit hypocrites who may think they're following, who may be following in a physical way, but aren't following in a spiritual way. So he's talking to a crowd of, get this, the committed, the curious, and the counterfeit. And that's who's in this room today. There are those who are committed, those who are just here to, I don't know, I'm curious. And those who are counterfeit fakes. And he's calling all three of them in those groups to follow him. That's what he's doing here. He says, if any of those men, you see that? I love that. If any man wants to, if any man wishes, this is an open call to all who can hear his voice. It's not just to the committed, it's, it's to all. If any of you men here, if any of you women here, if any of you children here wishes to, wants to, would like to, follow me, this is a whosoever will. It's wide open. It's not just to, to them that are with him. It's to all throughout the generations. If anybody wants to follow me, 2,000 years this message has been preached. If any man wants to follow me, I love that. Wherever this is read or wherever this is preached, it goes out to you. And he says, watch, if any man will come after me. I love that. (laughs) If any man will come after me. If anybody wants to line up behind me. If any man wants to walk with me. If any man wants to go with me. I'm going to Jerusalem. If anybody wants to come, let's go. Get behind me. Let's, Let's go. It's basically Jesus, and I say this as, as this is what comes to my mind, that Jesus is looking at the, the crowd that's standing there in front of him, and he says, if any man wants to come, he's saying, all aboard! You know, you, you see that in movies, that, that, that a guy will stand there on a train, and he'll blow the horn, he'll say, last call, all aboard! Jesus is saying that, here we go guys, the train's leaving, we're going to Jerusalem, if anybody wants to get on, now's the time. Step out of the crowd, get on board, Be a true follower. Anybody who wants to can. That's for us here today. Anybody who wants to follow Jesus, you can. But first, he gives us the conditions. 
Here's what we have to agree to before we get behind him. Here's what we have to agree to before we get on board. Here's what we have to get on, get, agree to before we can even call ourselves followers of Jesus. Don't you dare call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ unless you meet these conditions. And he gives us three conditions. You guys ready for this? I brought these things down. The three conditions for following Jesus. Look what he says. If any man will come after me, I drew a line there. If any man wants to follow me, let him do these things. Guys, you can't follow me in Jerusalem if you ain't willing to do these three things. Church, today you can't follow Jesus and even say you're a follower of Jesus. Don't even put it on your Facebook profile. Follower of Jesus unless you're willing to do these three things. And I say this, willing to do these three things. It may not happen to you. You may not have to to suffer or die. But you must be willing to do these three things if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. What are these three things? Look at it. It's so simple. Number one, you must be willing, and I want to keep saying that, willing to say no to yourself. When was the last time you told yourself no to anything? We are a self-indulgent society. Full of self and self-centeredness and, and self-sufficiency and self-indulgence. And, 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 and most people live in a world where they think they're the center of the universe. It's all about me, 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 me. And it's all about what I want, how I want, or what I feel. That's the world we're living in. And this is a radical call that if you want to follow Jesus, you say no to self and yes to Jesus. Deny self. The word deny there means to, get this, disown your own self. To disassociate with your own self. To disavow your own self. To say no to me. Self cannot be your chief love in life. I'll say it in a way that our kids can hear can understand. When you follow Jesus, you were driving the car. <laughs> and when you said, I'm going to start following Jesus, you got out of the front seat and let him drive. And you didn't get in the passenger seat. You didn't get in the back seat. <laughs> Most of us are in a trunk, hiding. Saying, wherever you take us, Jesus, we no longer drive our own lives. We say no, and this is, again, for Christians, followers, you want to be a follower of Christ, we say yes to Jesus and no to ourselves. This is the heart of Christianity, to deny ourselves. Our life is no longer our own, it's not about me. We don't do whatever we want and do whatever pleases us like the society tells us to do. This is one of the main problems, and I'm going to move on, in marriages. Selfishness. That we don't deny ourselves in, in order to please our wives or our husbands. This is one of the main problems in churches. People aren't willing to deny themselves and they want things their own way. This is the main problem in Christianity today. You've got a bunch of people in Christianity who never denies themselves. They go right with the culture and with the generation and they're all about me, me, me instead of about Christ, Christ, Christ. But if you want to be a Christian and follower of Jesus, you must begin by saying no to self. When was the last time you told yourself no to anything or to anybody because Jesus wouldn't want you to do it? You say, Lent. 
You see that? I mean, there's, there's Catholics that have, celebrate Lent for 40 days out of the year. And for 40 days out of the year, they tell themselves no to one thing. Jesus didn't call us to, tell no to, to say no to ourselves for one, 40 days out of the year. He calls us to say no to ourselves every day of the year. That's hard for us to do. That's hard for us to hear. We can't even say no to the extra piece of cheesecake that's offered to us. When was the last time you said no? I can't look at that because Jesus wouldn't want me to. I can't say that because Jesus wouldn't want me to. I can't go there because Jesus wouldn't want me to. When was the last time you told yourself no? In a world that says just say yes to every sinful desire that you have. Jesus says tell yourself no. Let's move on to the second one. Not only must you tell yourself no, you must be willing to suffer. You see what he says there? Let him deny himself and take up his cross. This is not talking about a literal cross that Jesus will be carrying soon. Where he'll go to the cross and die for our sins. This is a, a, a figurative cross where the cross means it is a symbol of, of suffering. Where we must be willing to take up a, a figurative cross and, and to pay the price for following Jesus. Jesus said that if they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So if you're behind me and they, they can't hit me because I'm going to ascend to the Father, then the next guy in line is going to get what they were going to throw at me. Do you get that? That's what's going to happen. Jesus got all, he was the main target during his time on earth. And the disciples were behind him and he took all the hits, didn't he? He took every bit of the hits. If they wanted to persecute, they were going to persecute Jesus. If they wanted to anybody to suffer, it was Jesus. If they were going to silence anybody, it was Jesus. And you have 12 disciples behind him sitting there behind Jesus as a shield. You know, he's getting it all. Jesus ascends to heaven. Who's the next one in line? Peter. You know what happened to Peter? Do you know what happened to Paul? Do you know what's happened throughout the generations as, as Peter suffered and died and Paul suffered and died and every disciple throughout the generations has suffered and died and then here we are in our generation and we shouldn't expect any better than the treatment that Jesus got. We aren't going to get His popularity. We're going to get His persecution. That's what He says about the, the cross. Even Paul said, all who desire to live godly shall suffer persecution. There's a price to pay for following Jesus. A price that we haven't paid yet. Biblically, what did they do to him? They tried to shut him up, beat him up, lock him up. Historically, you know what they tried to do to, to Christians? Shut him up, beat him up, lock him up. Do you know what they're currently doing to Christians today? We're not being shut up, beat up, and locked up. You know what they're trying to do to us today? This is the price that we're paying today. Listen to this. this is, we're not to the point of shedding blood yet in America. And notice I said yet. But here's what they're trying to do to Christians today. It's happening now. That they're trying to silence us. Get on social media. They don't want the truth being told. Over guy over Facebook can silence Christians. Guy over Twitter can silence Christians. They want to silence us. They don't want the message going out. They'll try to cancel us. We live in a cancel culture. And you say anything that disagrees with anybody else out there in the world, they'll cancel you. Whatever that means. They'll try to label you. 
all kinds of different things. Listen to me. This is what it's going to cost us. I got more. They'll reject us. They'll make fun of us. And they'll disown us. That'll be family members. That's what you believe? That's who you follow? That's what you stand for? That's the church you go to? That's the preacher you listen to? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe some of y'all already got that one. I don't know. We don't have anything to do with you then. And label you all kinds of things. You might be at risk of losing your job. You might be at risk of losing friends. You might be at risk of losing your popularity. And Jesus says that's what you must be willing to do. You must be willing to take up your cross and stand alone if that's what it means. That if none go with me, still I'm going to follow. If none preaches that life-saving gospel, that narrow gospel that says Jesus is the only way, we'll still preach it. We must be willing to take a stand when everybody else in the world is bowing down. And when you take a stand when everybody else is bowing down, you become the target that everybody throws at. Right now they're not throwing stones at us. Right now they're not beating us with sticks. Right now they're not putting us on a cross. Right now it's the the words that hurt us. And if we can't handle the words, what makes you think that we could handle the stones? Christians are bowing down because their words hurt me so much. (laughs) I'm going to get blocked on Twitter. I'm going to lose friends on Facebook. That's the risk we have now. That's the cross we have to carry and we're laying it down. You have some people say, I'm willing to die for Jesus. You're going to have to be willing to live for Him first. Even to the point of death. Third, I know this isn't a fun sermon. <laughs> I say every week, if, if, if this is the week to be at church and hear a sermon. Well, this week I'm going to say, this is not the week. <laughs> this is a, a tough reminder. Roger said Wednesday night, listen, bring your, uh, your hard-toed boots on Sunday, right? That's a hard-toed boots sermon is what this is. Number three, it goes even further. Say no to yourself, suffer, and then submit yourself to follow Jesus. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And get this, I want you to notice this. This is just something I I pay attention to. It says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You notice that the ands there, that means they all go together. That means there's not different plans for different people. It's like when you order satellite, they want, you want plan one, you want plan two, you want plan three, and they all, they all get a little bit more expensive. This plan doesn't give you ESPN. This plan doesn't give you Disney. But you start adding it up, you get to the last plan, it includes everything, and it's the most expensive one of all. And I'm like, we don't even want it, (laughs) you know. But Jesus doesn't give us the option of plan A, plan B, and plan C where you can say, okay, here I say no to myself, but I don't feel like suffering, so I don't want that one. I'll take the low plan, the low-cost plan. Or somebody say, yeah, I could suffer. I'll take B, and I'll suffer just a little bit. You put those ends in there, that means they all come together. Jesus only offers one package to everybody who wants to follow Him. You must do all three. And it's a high cost. You're either in or you're either out. There's no middle ground here. There's no playing both ends to the middle. You're either a follower or you're not. You're either going to say no, suffer, and submit, or you're not a follower. So look what he says here. Submission. 
This is where the rubber beats the road. We've said, get this, we've said bye to the old life. We've picked up our cross, and now we've got to walk with him. You with me? That's the picture that we get. By self, pick up a cross, follow. Walk with him. This is where I put one foot in front of the other. I go where he goes. I do what he commands. I follow his will, his agenda, and I live for his cause and not my own. We follow him. Not following my own self, my own agenda, my own plan, my own cause. I'm not doing my own thing. I'm not even following a church or a pastor or a friend or, or, in, or the culture or a politician. We follow Him, Jesus Christ. We don't know where He's going to take us. We don't know why He's going to take us there. We don't know how He's going to get us there. We, all we need to know is who we are following. It's Jesus Christ. So this is the requirements. It hasn't changed. The cost has not been discounted. It's not been marked down throughout the ages. That's what the disciples had to do. Now this is what it did mean. This is what it has mean meant. I caught myself. Steph will be happy for me. And this is what it does mean today. To follow Jesus Christ. Now the question is. Are you willing to do that? I think another question would be, why in the world would anybody be willing to do that? I think it's a surprise that Jesus had 12 following him. I mean, that, that, those conditions, those requirements, can you believe that 12 guys says, all right, we'll go. You said, Josh, if you preach this kind of thing, we're really going to get scarce in the church. Jesus was never after big crowds. He was after followers. Thousands of churches in America will never hear these requirements because they're after crowds. They're not after, after committed followers of Jesus. So why in the world would anybody want to do this? If we did this today, I mean, just think about it. I've got a few minutes here. If Jesus was standing up here today saying these words, and I believe when you preach his words as if he's saying them to you. And he said, all right, guys, at the end, an invitation. Who wants to get behind me? How many of you would be willing to say, yeah, I'll do it? Say no to self, suffer, and submit my life completely and totally unto him wholeheartedly. Who'd be behind him? Why would anybody do it? And I'm asking that question because now he gives us a reason why we ought to do it. He doesn't have to give us a reason. Jesus is the Lord of the universe. and He could just say, do it, and we must do it. But here he does, in, in gracious kindness, he says, okay, I'm going to tell you why you should do it. Look what he says. And I, 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 I've given you the first point, the requirements for following. And I want to show you the reasons that he gives for following. Because now you see in verse 26, verse 27, he says four. You see that? I think there's three fours there. No, verse 25, 26, and 27, he says, For whosoever will. Verse 26, For what is it profited a man? And verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come. He gives us three reasons there on why we ought to follow. Here's the reasons why you ought to say no to yourself, be willing to suffer, and, and submit yourself wholeheartedly unto Him. Here's three reasons why you ought to do it. And they're very good reasons. Watch this. Number one, here's why. Number one, do it for yourself. Do, it's the best thing you can do. Watch this. I love this reason. He says in, at, at the beginning of verse 25, 
For, here's the reason, whosoever will save his life, you see that? Anybody who saves his life. This goes back to the previous verse where we gave up our lives for him. But it's the opposite. The opposite of saying no to myself is saying yes to myself. Of losing my life for Jesus is saving my life for self. So it says, if you don't want to do it, if you want to save your life and do whatever you want to do, if you want to selfishly live your life, if you want to not deny yourself, clench your fist, cling to your old life and your own ways and do what you want to do, then this is what's going to happen to you. It shall happen to you. Which means it's definitive. There's no way around it. If you hold on to your own selfish life, this is how it's going to work out for you. I've seen, seen kids, and we're just like kids, that they get a toy. Well, my boys are notorious for this. And they'll cling to it and never want to share it. That even me, their dad can't get it out of their grip. I've seen babies with a grip that their dad couldn't pry their fingers open off, of, off something. That's how we are with our own lives. We want to hold on to it and not let anybody else control it. Not let anybody else tell us what to do. I rule me. And he says, if you want to do that, this is what's going to happen to you. If you save your life, you'll lose your life. You say, what does that mean? You're going to die? No, no. It means you will waste your life. You'll find no happiness in living for self. You'll find no peace in living for yourself. You'll find no fulfillment in living for yourself. You'll find no satisfaction living for yourself. A life lived entirely for self is an empty, worthless, wasted life. Ask Solomon. He tried everything. He did everything. And after everything he tried, he said, vanity of vanities, and none of it satisfies. Everybody's out there trying to live for themselves and nobody's satisfied. Ain't nobody happy in the world. They're living a self-centered existence. I'm the center of the universe. The pursuit of happiness, write this down, is an unhappy pursuit. We say that in America, oh, pursuit of happiness, oh, pursuit of happiness. The end of the pursuit of happiness is not happiness. But watch this. You live your life for yourself, it'll be a wasted life. You'll lose it. But, watch Whoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake. Do you see that? Whoever loses his life, or we'll say, spends his life for Christ's sake and the gospel's sake. If you spend your life for the cause of Christ, if you deny yourself, you pick up your cross and you follow Him, then and only then will you find true life. People just don't get that. Christians don't get that. I want to tell a generation today, the next generation, maybe, maybe the older generation got it. I know the generation today doesn't get it, but there's a generation sitting in these pews today that are younger children, and you need to hear this. It's right and good and joyful to live your life without reservation for Jesus Christ. 
You need to hear that. Don't live selfishly. Live giving yourself for Christ and the Gospel. It is the best life you could ever imagine. That's what he says there. I love that. You'll find it. What will you find? Fullness of life. You'll find joy. You'll find... I've seen people, Christians... I've seen missionaries. I've got to get personal. I have to. We have missionaries, and I miss having missionaries come in. And they are, understand me, they are, the what, what the world would say, the most pitiful people in the world. You watch them pull into the church, I've seen them come in with the oldest vans you could ever see. We've had missionaries come in here, and as they pull in, they're, they're at the bottom of their gas tank with no more money. We've had missionaries pull in here, and, and as they pulled in, their engines started smoking. We've had missionaries pull in here and they're, they're dragging kids with them and their, their kids are, are, are not wearing the finest clothes and they don't have the, the iPads and the iPhones and they don't have everything that the world says you got to have. They have no idea what's going on on Facebook. Good for them. They have no idea what's going on on Twitter. They have no idea what's on Netflix. No clue. And they come walking in here and they've given, given everything over to Christ. We had a guy come in here who's going to go to a place that the high in the year of degrees, was like 33. And I looked at him and said, why would you go there? That's where Christ is sending me. But you say, why are you telling us that? These people are the most joyful people I've ever met in my life. And you have people come in here who know what's on Netflix. They know what's on Facebook. They know what's on Twitter. They, they have all the finer things. They're driving the nicest car. They have the biggest houses. And they walk in here. The most miserable people you'll ever meet. None of that satisfies. Jesus says if you, you want to save your life, you'll lose it. If you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. You'll have joy and peace and satisfaction. And you'll have fulfillment in life. A life lived entirely for self is wasted. But a life lived for Jesus is worth every bit of it. you got to get that. we got to live for Christ. That's what He's saying. It's worth everything you give up. It costs a lot to live for Christ. But it's worth every single bit of it. Every single bit of it. Here and in eternity. Not just in eternity. Here and now. But then he goes into eternity. Watch what he says here. Do it for yourself. Because it's the best way to live. And then do it for your soul. You get that? Do it for yourself. Because it's the best way to live. And do it for your soul. Because it's the only way into eternity. Look what he says. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose, and whoever loses his life for my sake. You see that? Living for Christ. Living for the Gospel. That you spend your life, you spend all, all your, your energy and your time, you spend all your money, everything that you have for Christ. It's the best life. And then, not only is it the best life, but it's the best in eternity. It's like he's sitting there saying, this is a deal of a lifetime. Why would anybody want to follow Christ? At the beginning of this point, we said, that'd be foolish. And at the end of this point, we'll say, it'd be foolish not to. Watch what he says. I can't believe everybody doesn't follow him if he's offering this. Yeah, I won't have... Whoa, let's just, let's just go. Verse 26. Four. You see that? Reason number two. What is a man profited if he'll gain the whole world Let's say you can, he's saying this, it's rhetorical. Let's say you can get the whole world, guys. <laughs> That's a lot to gain the whole world. 
Last person who had the whole world was Adam. This is the temptation that Satan offered Jesus. I'll give you the whole world. And this is the same temptation that Satan will offer every single one of us. I'll give you the world. And nobody gets it. You might get a little grain of sand from the world. But you ain't going to get the world. Let's imagine that you can. Let's imagine that, that you win the lottery. And you tie 10% of it. You guys didn't get it. That, that should have been funny. <laughs> so, I'm going to swing and miss on that one. <laughs> Whiff. Let's say you win the lottery. Jackpot. You got it all. You can buy anything you want. You can live the life you've always dreamed of. You can have the lifestyles of the rich and famous. What is it he said? Champagne caviar dreams and champagne something. Wishes. Something like that. You guys don't know what that is. <laughs> Everything you ever dreamed of. And when you close your eyes at night and you say, I wish I had. You have it. That you close your eyes at night and there's nothing. That you say, I wish I could have. No, no, you got it. You've got the house. You've got the car. As many cars as you want. You've got the popularity. You've got all the friends. You've got good health. You've got all the kids that you want and they're healthy. You've got the latest iPhone 13 that has 15 cameras on it. You've got everything that you could ever want. You didn't pick up your cross. You picked up and filled up your bank account. You've got everything that life could offer you. You have the world. But what would it matter if you lost your soul? Are you with me? That your soul is of such infinite value that even if you had everything the world could offer you, it wouldn't be worth it in eternity. Are you with me? And we don't get the whole world. We don't get the whole world. We don't get the whole world. We get little trinkets. Little grains of sand. And think it's worth the exchange of our souls. To lose the greatest loss of all. An eternal loss of your soul. Of yourself for eternity. And he asks that question, what in the world is worth your soul? It's one of the great questions of life. What is worth your soul? He's asking them to add it up. Do the math. Calculate it. Would anything be worth your soul? Would the pursuit of a new house on earth be worth of the loss of mansions in heaven? You tell me. Because there are people in churches, and I've seen it, I've experienced it, who have left and pursued other things at the loss of their own souls. And you have to ask this question, will it matter in eternity? Are earthly riches worth heavenly part of poverty? And the answer is, and, and we'll move on, nothing is worth losing your soul over. Not even the whole world. Our soul is too valuable of infinite value, our soul, the deep down who we are, what Christ went to the cross and died for is of infinite value and we shouldn't exchange it for something that has no value in eternity. 
Esau sold his birthright for a, a bowl of porridge. And you've got people all over the world that are selling their souls for success, for fame, for sex, for a high, for money. I see it all the time. You ask people to follow Christ and they say, no, I've got other things I'm pursuing right now. I've got other things I want right now. I'm having too much fun right now. And you're, you're selling your soul for fun right now. You're selling your soul for success right now. You're selling your soul for a house or a car or money, a bank account. You're selling your soul and it's not worth it. Old Beverly Shea used to sing with Billy Graham. And he'd sing, I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world has to offer. Because if you're pursuing those things, you'll end up like the rich man Lazarus. He hadn't, Lazarus had nothing in this life, but died and went to heaven. And the rich man had everything and died and went to hell. Do you think the rich man in hell, who lifted up his eyes in hell, said, you know what? It was worth it. He said, let me go back and tell my brothers that nothing on earth is worth losing your soul over. That's how we all must feel and live today. We started out that only a fool would follow and now we end up with only a fool would not follow Jesus. And I want to give you the one last reason that he gives. And it's in verse 27, and I call this the reward for following Christ. We've seen the requirements, the reasons, and now I want to give you the reward. It's just the third reason, but I wanted the third point, so we, we, we took it on down. The reward for following Christ. Because he says there again, four. You saw four at the beginning of verse 25, four at the beginning of verse 26, four at the beginning of verse 27. These are all reasons for following Christ. And now he gives us the third and final reason. He says, for the Son of Man. You see this? The Son of Man shall return, shall come in His glory, in the glory of His Father. You say, what's this? Jesus says, I'm coming back. And when I come back at the end of the age, and there is a time when Jesus is going to return, a fixed and appointed date and time on the calendar in heaven, fixed by God that no man can change or move, that Jesus will return. He says that He shall come again. He's coming back. There's no if He comes, He shall come. And when you say He shall come, it's, it's the same as saying He's about to come, He's on His way, and I'll tell you this, it's getting closer every single day. And He says, this time when I come, it won't be in the womb of a virgin. It won't be riding an old donkey. Next time I come, it'll be in the blazing white glory of my Father. With angels. And what's He going to do when He comes back? He's going to reward those who did what? He's going to give rewards to those who said no to themselves, suffered, and submitted their lives to Him. There will be rewards for you for faithfully following Christ. Revelation 22, the last chapter in the Bible, Jesus says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. That He comes to reward those who faithfully live for Christ here. That tells me that every single one of us will stand before Him. That every servant will stand before their Master. 
2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That goes around this room today that every single one of us, as followers of Jesus, will stand personally and alone in front of Christ one day. You won't have wife with you. You won't have kids with you. You won't have mom and dad. I don't know how that's going to work where he gets every one of his followers time with him. One on one. Jesus and me. Jesus and you. And in that moment, there will be a, an exam. There will be scrutiny. There will be a life that will be reviewed. I personally hope it's not on video. Where he says, here's what you've done, Josh. Here's what you should have done, and here's what you did. Here's what you shouldn't have done. Here's the times you didn't say no to yourself. Here's the times that you backed off or bowed down when you should have stood up and been courageous. I gave you a chance to stand up for me and you didn't do it. I gave you a chance to preach the gospel and you didn't do it. I gave you a chance and you were too afraid of somebody saying something about you. He will scrutinize, he will review, he will examine every life that was lived. And this isn't the lost people that he's talking about. This is the, the saved people. 2 Corinthians 5 says that, for we must all, and that we as Christians, we will all stand before him. And he will judge us. He won't judge us based on our sin. It says here he'll judge us based on the works that we do. The life that we lived. The judgment on sin has already been taken care of by Jesus on the cross. We will not have to stand before Jesus and answer for our sin. That's been taken care of. That's been wiped away. He doesn't remember that anymore. What he's going to judge is how we've lived for him. How we live our Christian lives matter now to Jesus and will matter in eternity to Jesus. It's important how we live our lives. It'll be a judgment on how we lived. The works that we did. We're saved by grace, but we are rewarded by works. And it says, and He will reward us. He will repay us. He will pay us back for every single thing that we lost here. We won't be rich here, but all will be rich there. We had no applause here. <laughs> The world doesn't applaud Christians. Oh, but there'll be a well done there. All we gave up, all we lost, we will receive more, far more in return in that moment. In that moment, everything that we lost, everything that we gave up, every time we said no, every time we suffered, every time we submitted our lives to Him, it'll all be worth every last bit of it. Because He will repay, He will return, He will reward us for everything that we did for Him here. There's not one thing that He'll miss out on. If you did a little bit for Him here, He saw that, He'll reward that. Did you do a little service here? He saw that, He'll reward that. Did you stand up when everybody else was bowing down? You'll be rewarded for that. He doesn't miss anything. 
George Whitfield said, the last day will reveal all. And George Whitfield was a, a preacher of preachers, man. You guys have heard me talk about George Whitfield. He preached to more people in his day, probably preached to more people than anybody ever has. And we're talking 1700s. Went up and down the coast of, of America preaching in, in orphanages and preaches in, in, in cities and, and people hated him. They couldn't stand him. He, he had dead cats thrown at him on a regular basis. I've told you the story that he was riding on a horse after a day of preaching and he'd preach four or five times a day. And he's riding on his horse praying, asking God, God, nobody was mean to me today. Nobody hated me today. Did I do something wrong? We do that the opposite. If somebody hates us or says something cruel about us, we say, oh, I must have done something wrong. No, you probably did something right. But Whitfield said, God, what's wrong with me? Have I, have I compromised? Have I bowed down? And he said immediately, when I, when I said that, I got hit with a dead cat right in the head. And he said, I looked up and said, thank you, God. I must still be faithful. <laughs> even to this day, Whitfield's hated. They're trying to take down a statue of him, even today. But Whitfield said when somebody asked him about it, I could tell you so many stories about Whitfield. He said, wherever I'm preaching... I got. I got to quit. But wherever it is, I'm preaching. When I die, bury me under the pulpit. And they did. The day he died, he was preaching from a window to thousands of people in the middle of the night, and he said, "I'll preach till my candle goes out." And he preached until his candle went out, and he preached until he couldn't preach no more, and he died. And they buried him under the pulpit of that church, and he's still buried there today. And George Whitfield said, the last day will reveal it all. He said, God writes the last chapter. He said, God gets the last word. And in the end, it doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't even matter what the, what the church says about you. It only matters what Jesus says about you in the last day. It doesn't matter what the preacher says about you. I don't see everything you do. I don't see, I don't see, I don't see, I only see you here. It doesn't matter what I say about you. I, I don't know it all. I know very little. It only matters what Jesus says about you. And in the last day, that's all that will matter. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So it's not just about living this life now. It's about what God will return to us in eternity. And I'll tell you this and I'll close. True followers of Jesus Christ will not get the short end of the stick in eternity. We will say in heaven it was worth Every last bit of it. So now as I close, these words are a reminder for most of us. As Christ reminded us in these verses of what it means to follow. Let this reminder to us today, and we are, I would say, majority, if not all, Christians in here today. Maybe not all online, but in here today, I would say most of us are Christians. Christians. 
let this be a reminder of this is what it means to follow Jesus. Not what the world says, not what some of these watered down churches say, not what some of these watered down preachers say. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And my prayer for us today is that these words of Christ, not of Josh, of Christ would drive us to an even greater commitment than we've ever had for him. It would drive us to a, a, a closer walk. Isn't that what the old song says? Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, that's my plea. That should be the prayer of every single one of us today. Maybe in your walk with Christ. And we're talking to, to Christians here. Maybe Maybe in your walk with Christ, you started out and you were you were close to Him. Here He was. There you were. And everywhere He wanted you to go, you went. Whatever He wanted you to say, you said it. Whatever He wanted you to do, you did it. And you were so close. But something happened. And over time, this is why you need a reminder, you started drifting a little bit further behind, a little bit more behind, and you were right on His heels. And now, you may be so distant you can't even see Him. Some people are so far behind Christ they can't even follow Him to church. <laughs> can't even follow Him on a live stream. Don't even want to hear what He has to say. What would you say? Can't hear you. Too far. Too far. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you've drifted a little bit. It means you maybe have gotten pulled off. There's all kinds of things in life that'll get your attention and, and take you away. I mean, staff go on trips and there'll be billboards up that says, <laughs> no, that's mom, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Let's go, you know. <laughs> you know, there's other signs that'll just pull you off track. You're trying to follow. You're trying to get somewhere. And there's things that distract. Get this. There's pandemics that have distracted Christians. Do you understand me? They were so close in March. March 15, close. March 22nd, they started taking steps back. And now they can't even, can't even see Him. Now is the time for all of us to pray. Do you, do you know a job can take you away? Do you know friends can take you away? You get some bad friends and you start following them instead of Christ? It's done it to Christians for centuries. Bad influences. It's time for every single one of us to pray just a closer walk with Thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. I need to be closer. And you know what we need to do? We need people who are walking close to Christ today more than we ever have. Because we're living in a time that's unprecedented. And you're going to want to be close. I love the story of Stephen when he got stoned. Boy. He was so close to Christ that when he got stoned and opened up his eyes, he saw Christ standing. And Christ was there to receive him and take him home. When bad times come, when pandemics come, when chaos comes, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be back here. I want to be right there. I want to be so close that he can hear my whispers and my cries. I want to be so close that, that, that I, I know exactly what his will is for me. I want to be so close that when I pray and say, God, what would you have the church to do in the midst of a pandemic? I know exactly what he wants me to do and where he wants us to go. I, I want to be so close that it's, 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 it's undeniable that we're following him. We as a church need to be so close that right now in the midst of this, we're not getting pulled one way or the other, but we're right behind Jesus. You say it may cost me. Oh yeah, but what it costs you is nothing what you'll get back. So granted, Jesus is my plea, just a closer walk with thee. May it be the prayer of all of us in here today. Every single one of us. And if you're in here and you're lost, and it's a possibility there's somebody, maybe a kid, and I preach to kids all the time, I, I always 
conscience that there's children in the room who have never put their faith in Christ. I'm not calling you as a child to follow Christ. I'm calling you as a child or an unbeliever to put your faith in Christ. We'll talk about following after you put your faith in Him. Unbelievers, the call is, and that's what Jesus says, as He said in verse 24, if anyone is willing, in Romans 10, He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's to you today. If you're, if you're an unbeliever, those words go out to you as if Christ is standing here today saying them with His own mouth to your ears. He's saying, believe in Me. Believe in Me. Believe in Me. Believe in Me. And you need to hear those words and say, yes, Lord, I believe. If you're an unbeliever, do that. Put your full faith and trust in who Jesus is as the Son of God and what He did in dying for our sins on a cross. And He will save you. Don't wait for another day. Don't wait for another sermon. Put your faith in Christ right now. And I'm going to give an altar call today. And I've not done that since the pandemic began. But I'm going to do it today. I'm going to move this camera. I'll even even ask the people on the camera. You don't have to come here. But you need to bow your heads. and, And if you're an unbeliever, ask God to save you today. Put your faith in Him today. But we'll move this camera to the side. And we're going to open the altar. And I'm going to say anybody who wants a closer walk with Christ, you can pray it there, you can pray it here, but we all need to pray it. And if you're here today and you're lost, you need to get out of that aisle and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. Ain't no turning back. A.W. Tozer said this, and I'll close. (laughs) Great preacher of old. He said, when somebody went to die on a cross, they was facing one direction. They had no other plans. You see somebody walking down the street with a cross on their shoulders, they're going to die. You didn't say, wonder what they're going to do later today. You knew what they were going to do. You knew where they were going. He says, may that be all of us as Christians. We know where we're going and we know where we're heading and we ain't got no other plans other than follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus today. Can you say that? Or put your faith in Christ today. Let's pray. We're going to move the camera. I'm going to open the altar and the song's going to be played. May you respond how Christ would have you to respond. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us today, for this call that you've given us today from your word. This is not my call, this is your call. And it goes out to Christians to, to, to a closer walk. And it goes out to uh, unbelievers to put their full faith and trust in Christ and be saved. And I pray that God today that you would work in hearts by the power of your spirit, move amongst us, not, even in this, not, just, not just in this room, But even online, that there's people watching and there's people listening, may they hear this and say, yes, Lord, I need to be closer. Or, yes, Lord, I need to be saved. By Your Spirit, move here. By Your Spirit, move there. Even as this sermon will be watched later this week, may You, by Your Spirit, work in the the people who are listening. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays, the altar will be open. And me and Brandon will be...